We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. that um, I love this word. Charles spoke to me the other day, and I think I've shared it with you guys, but he said, the church really is resilient. The church is resilient, and I just love that. And in a time like we live in, and on a day like today, what better word to have than resilience? The church has been here longer than we have. (laughs) The church is going to be here longer than we're going to be here. I remember um, before I went on leave for the first time when I worked for ShopRite, I was like scrambling to get everything ready and I wanted to have all my emails clean and I had all my files in place and I was just like a madman almost. And I remember my manager came to me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, hey, ShopRite will still be here when you come back from leave. I was like, really? <laughs> but um, the church will still be here. I mean, I don't know about you, but when lockdown happened, there was this moment where like, what does this mean? Um, and here we are still in whatever we call lockdown, uh, but still resilient, still meeting together, still a family. And you think, why, why is it resilient? Because it's family. Like, you, you can walk out of family, but you can never really not be family. Um, you can be angry at family, you can be offended at family, you can be unsure about family, but you're still family. Um, and it's the same with, with church, because when do you end with discipleship? Never. Like, it's usually when you want to end, when you walk away, uh, that's when it ends. And as, as a church, I really believe we are resilient, <coughs> but it's because the one in us is resilient. And um, I looked up the word, <coughs> excuse me, the word resilient is to able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. Withstand and recover quickly. Able to recoil or spring back into shape after bending, stretching, or being compressed. I want to just say it's not easily broken. It is not easily broken. When you become part of church, you join in on the resilience. When you become part of church, you join in on the resilience. You become stronger, your relationships become stronger, and you, like the church, are not easily broken. I don't know about you, but life gives you things that can break you. Life happens, and uh, life is not always fun. This time of the year, it might be busy, it might be sad, you might be very happy at the year that you've had, you might be very disappointed if you look back and say, sure, I thought this is going to be different, or I thought my business is going to be double the size, or I thought I would have a new job by now, or my bank account would look different, or my relationships would look different, or, or anything. Maybe you like, it's more, I want to say more blessed, but I'm not using that word with money anymore, um, because the blessing really is the Holy Spirit, and uh, that's what we've got. But you thought you would be in a much better place. But I want to just share with you that you're okay. Because you're part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of something resilient. You're part of something that will never break. You're part of something that will always exist for all eternity. The church is the plan that goes on into the life hereafter. Because it's the body of Christ of which He is the head. And I want you to also then with me and with us all, let's value what we've got. Let's value what we've got. And again, like my father-in-law said to me this morning, he says, this is so beautiful. We, you've got seven different areas and everyone praying now into one, one crisis situation. We've got Shane and Marna 
who um, obviously handed over to, what's it, about two and a half years ago, uh, to myself and Natasha, who's now able to, at the drop of a hat, go and be there for Solari's past family this morning. And I don't need to drop you guys, but they can go. So we've got a healthy structure as a family. But one thing we never will do is we'll never keep you here. We'll never control you, we'll never manipulate you, and we'll never force you. We'll never... Um, let me stop with the nevers, but... Grace Life as a family is really... It's easy to join and it's easy to leave. And that's just how I believe family is. You're still part of the family, even if you don't come. But uh, you get to be part of it as much as you want. You get to be part of what we've got. And it might not always be fun, but guess what? Family matters uh, because it's somewhere you belong. And we are the household of God. And uh, we want you to be part of that. So Ephesians 4 from this one says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And no one said amen. (laughs) This guy is a success story in the church family, but he is a prisoner. He is a prisoner, and as a prisoner, he writes this amazing letter to the Ephesian church and saying that you need to walk worthy of your calling with which you were called. And then everyone thinks, sign your resignation and go into all the world. And that might be part of it, but it's much more than that. It's much deeper with that. He says, with all loneliness, with gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another. Because sometimes you're not going to agree with the person next to you. Sometimes you're not going to love me so much, but you can bear with me in love. Amen? Because the Scripture says that we can do that. Because if we really value the unity above our own pride, our own ideas and agendas, then we get to be part of this resilient thing called church. Then we get to be part of it. You need to be lonely, gentle, long-suffering. What does long-suffering mean? It means to suffer long. But that's where you grow. That's where you mature. That's where you grow in fitness. If you stop running, maybe you're a runner, you stop running, that first time you go do, I did it this week, three and a half kilometers, and I've never had so much pain in my legs going upstairs, downstairs. Upstairs were fine. Downstairs was horrible. But now, guess what? If I'm not going to suffer again, it's going to happen again. So there's a long suffering, which we call fitness. And in this life, we need some fitness. We need some endurance. The word in verse 3 says, endeavoring. One of the translations says, make every effort to do what? To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. No, but there's no work in church. We rest. Well, the word says, make every effort to keep unity. Not to get into heaven. You're already there. Eternal life is yours the moment you receive Jesus. But now there's an effort because guess what? This body is easily offended. Yours too. And we need to be less offendable. We need to be more like ducks. Not sitting ducks, but ducks letting the run of us like water. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called with one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And we shared about it this last week. Like You can go somewhere, but guess what? You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise and you are sealed right next to me. In your spirit, you are one spirit with God. And therefore, if I'm one spirit with God and you one spirit with God, we are all in the same spirit. So you can be offended and leave, but guess what? We're still sealed together for all eternity. 
People think that sealing is like just keeping the demons out. No, it's keeping you in. <laughs> you are part of this, whether you like it or not. So you can just as well start liking it. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Now, I think the problem what we have is with the word unity. Because it doesn't mean identity in terms of we all need to be identical. But I think God made us different so that we can all learn from each other so that we're more beneficial when we are in unity. And if you look at the verse clearly, it says that our unity is only found in one place. And it's not in a political party or a new regime. It's found in the Spirit. It's not a race, it's not a class, it's not a gender. It's a spiritual thing. It's the only way that there is a chance of any unity is spiritual. You are one in the Spirit. You are one in the Spirit. And yes, therefore, we can celebrate even our differences. Because you don't want me to sing here this morning over the mic. But luckily, there's someone different than I. <laughs> and isn't that the picture of marriage? You cannot have two people more, more different than a husband and wife. Physically, emotionally, but yet it works in the beauty of unity. Because what is it? It is one flesh. So it's when you're willing to give down, lay down your life, your wants, your needs for the serving of the other that you carry this beautiful thing called unity, which is relationship, which then what breeds family. And that's exactly what God says in Ephesians 5, that this is husband, this is wife, but guess what? It's not about it. This is about Christ and the church. And I'll give Kunrad credit for this one. But uh, on Friday morning when we were in Manaker, and we shared from... Um, we shared from many different things, but he spoke about, made a comment about Genesis, Genesis 3, where God says to, to Eve, your desire will be for your husband. Now our desire as a church, as the bride, is for Christ. He is the only one that can fulfill your desire. You might not believe me and go try other places. Please don't. Please don't. Because there's one purpose, there's one destiny, there's one fulfilling thing in this world and that is the life, the eternal life of Christ that is freely given because of His suffering and is freely received if we humble ourselves because you know what, grace is the epitome of humility the highest form of humility is grace because He says, I, you say I cannot, He did and then you, you lay down your efforts and you pick up grace, therefore God gives grace to the humble. And we make it something for success in life, but it starts off with salvation. Because you're willing to say, hey, I cannot do this. God says, I did. I cannot pay this. I did. I overpaid. Double for all your sins. What about your life? He just paid your sins and He gave you so much more. He gave us eternal life. We get to live that in humility. But humility also then we can do what Jesus did in greater works means we can live in humility amongst each other. We can live in long-suffering amongst each other. We can live as one spirit, one body, one hope, one calling. If the Amplified says of history, make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. We need each and every one of us to give glory to God the way that we can as a church. You don't have to, but when you bring your amen, when you bring your voice, when you bring your skills, your talents, your service, your ministry, then we give God more glory. Then more people get reached. We, the other night in outreach, 
we go about and we go for an hour, an hour and a bit. And uh, there was many people we didn't reach. And I asked the team, why did we not reach these people? Ask yourself, why did we not reach everyone? It's an easy answer because we weren't enough. But if there were more people there, we would have been able to reach more. The harvest is plentiful. It wasn't that people chant us and say, hey, stay away, I don't want to speak to you. They were, they were all open, basically. But if there were more of us, then more of us could be reached. And it's not, a, it's not a heavy. It's just logic. It's just true. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray for the Lord of the harvest. There's a dying world out there. They're fearful. They're confused. They don't belong. They're lonely. And here we have a family on a mission to reach those lost sons and daughters. To bring them in to family. To stretch out a hand to love on them with the love which God loved us first. And Jesus says, this is a new commandment. And it's not really so new. But he says, love your neighbor as I have loved you. Don't focus on loving your neighbor. Focus on the as I have. That will catapult you into loving more people. But I don't like so and so, and I don't like him, and I don't like his accent or his dress or whatever. What are you focusing on? The Holy Spirit revealed to us a verse in, in worship, Colossians 3. Think about the things above. Not on the things of the earth that's distracting. You see, this is an invitation to greatness, but it looks very different than the world out there. This invitation to unity. I mean, the resilience of the church is, you cannot write a book about it. You cannot scientifically explain it. You need to experience it. And you get to experience it when you become part of it because it's spiritual. Now, Titus, Titus 3, you want to go there. We've been focusing on oneness. We've been focusing on unity as a family. Titus 3 verse 1 says, And remind them of this. Respect the rulers and the courts. Obey them. Be ready to do what is good and honorable. Don't tear down another person with your words. Instead, keep the peace and be considerate. Be truly humble towards everyone. Because there was a time when we too were foolish, rebellious, and deceived. We were slaves to sensual cravings and pleasures. We spent our lives being spiteful, envious, hated by many, and hating one another. I remember there was a time where I was super sarcastic. I was so proud of my sarcasm because it was funny for me. There was a time, like poor Titus, that we were... There's a time that we're not proud of in our past. And in that time, I thought, well, what you actually did is you tried to be more clever than others and you tried to push them down to make yourself feel better. So it's actually just your own identity. That's not good. But guess what? I, did, I didn't have deep friendships then. I was actually very lonely, but I, I was amongst people, but I was lonely. But as I lay that down, I become more connected. But to be more connected, I need to be more vulnerable. I need to be more open. I need to, to share my life, share my, my home. Even share my family with others. Open up a door and say, hey, we're not perfect, but this is how we do life. We don't have it all together, but this is, this is what, how we do things. You can shoot holes in it, but like, let's come and be stronger together. Let's live this thing called life and let's live it together. There was a time too where we were foolish, rebellious, deceived. We were slaves to sensual cravings and pleasures and we spend our lives being spiteful envious, 
hated by many, hating one another. Now, I don't know about you, but I realize that immaturity is most often the reason for disunity. Immaturity is most often the reason for disunity. Now, there's two sides to disunity. So you need two mature people, actually, then. So you can be super mature and someone else is immature and you won't have unity. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that's the sad part. But you might realize that in some situations you are the immature one and then you can do something about it and you can grow up and you can like grow a thick skin and you can love on people. And that's the ones that we want to focus on. That's the relationships and the bridges we want to build. The beauty is we do not need to remain immature. Because verse 4 says, and I'm reading from the voice translation, it says, but then something happened. I'm so glad in my life there is a moment where something happened. I was terrible, I was horrible, I was polished like a white white plastered grave, but then something happened. Praise God for that moment. Praise God, something happened. What happened? I heard the message of grace. I heard that Jesus Christ died, that He saved me, and that I don't need to pay for it. I don't even say sorry, I can just receive. Yes, I do say sorry, I don't have to. Because guess what? It's already paid. Sin is forgiven. One sin, one sacrifice for all sin forever. So I get to receive that. And now what? When I've received that, greatly you've received. Now, greatly you can give. Greatly you've been loved. Now let some of that love flow over you. Let the waters of God flow through you, not just to you in this world we live. But we don't need to remain immature. It says in verse 4, God our Savior and His overpowering love and kindness for humankind entered our world. How beautiful. God our Savior says, hey, they need me. So I'm going to go. I'm going to send my son, who God so loved the world that he gave something. He gave something very precious. He gave his own son. I truly believe that the only, only, I mean the only way that we have a chance to live in true unity in this world is to live in and through Christ. No political agenda, no social reform, no charity, no NGO, no book except the book, gives us an opportunity to live in unity in this world. You can speak to those who are trying to live in unity in another way, trying, their purpose is unity, their destiny is unity. But if you're not going to go according to this book, you're wasting your time. But guess what? We who do can shine brightly the hope, the light, the life. We can shine Christ. We can show people. We can invite them into our families, into our inner circles, and we can share the life of Christ with them through ours. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, And such were some of you. I, I underline those verses because I was one of them. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Something happened. And you need to know this, what happened to you. Something happened. I was washed. I was sanctified. I was justified. Not through my doing, but through His. By the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Not just a God somewhere, but a living God. What is it that we live then? We live a spiritual life in spiritual unity. The voice says, some of you used to live in these ways, but you are different now. That's beautiful. Something happened and we are different now. Now, we don't want to be just different for different sake. I know you know those people who just want to be different because they want to be different. Doc says yes, he knows some of them. 
I know where he studied, so I believe you. <laughs> but what's the purpose in being different? You get up in the morning, your purpose is to be different. That's not, that's not a good purpose. That's not a lasting purpose. We want to be more like Christ. Therefore, we are different to the world. And Jesus prayed for us in John 17, and we looked at it last week. We pr- he prayed for unity. He prayed for oneness, but He says the only chance that they have in oneness is when they're one with me, as I am one with the Father. And then He says they will have difficulties in this life. But they're still one. One in the Spirit, one with God. Titus 3, we're going back there to verse 4, says, But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. God doesn't just love. His love is directional. God doesn't just have a plan. He has a plan for me and you. He has a plan for the world. The plan for God is to love us. The kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. Now I'm asking in terms of our theme of unity, are you letting your kindness for other people appear? Or do you hide it so deeply because you treasure your unity and your love and you don't want anyone to see that you love them? Because maybe, just maybe they take advantage of you. Just think about that. We always want to ask, what would Jesus do? Some of the things we do, if we, if we read Jesus doing that, we would be laughing. No, I'm not, I don't want to open my life. What would Jesus do? Jesus goes about opening his whole life, his family, everyone. Because there's a Savior and he, it's He. And He is carrying kindness and love of God towards man. Can I give you a deep revelation this morning? Love is all about people. Agape love is only true agape if it is towards people. God is love, yes, but He loves people. For God so loved the world. God so loved that He created the world. And God so loved what He created that He sent His Son. True love, agape love, is only found between God and people. And if we want to live in that kind of love, we want to love with that kind of love, we're going to have to let God love through us. This is love, not that you love God. This is love, not that you love your neighbor, but that He loved you first. The other is fake love. Loving your puppy, loving rhinos, loving the world. Why not live for the biggest thing that you can? Why not live for eternity? Why not give up a few pleasures on this world to make a stamp, an echo into eternity? When I wake up this morning and I see a message of a young man that's passed away, I don't know the circumstances, I don't know the reason. But I do know that he heard the gospel and I'm sure he heard it from his mother. Because I know her. But there's many moms who got bad news this morning. And I'm not sure if they, their boys who passed away have heard the gospel. And then we realize that all of a sudden life is short. This life is very short. We don't know how short. Maybe it's 10 years. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's 50. Maybe it's 100. But it's a whisper. It's a breath of wind. And we get to either see people go from dust to dust 
or we get to see them go from dust to eternal glory. You and I carry the hope inside of us. You know what that looks like? It's the love of the Father. We get to live that. But there's a cost. There's a cost to unity. But guess what? It's so worth it. Whatever you like. Maybe it's ice cream. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's something else. There's a cost to it. And when I go early morning, sometimes I get to do this. Not often. To have a coffee by myself. And I get and I pay my 30 rand and I have just this moment. I take out my phone and I read a few verses. There's a cost to that. It's getting up 30 minutes earlier. It's 30 rand. But guess what? I don't think about the cost in that moment. Because having that moment between me and God is priceless. There's a cost to unity. There's a cost to reaching out, to opening your life, to saying, hey, do life together. Let's, let's do discipleship. But when you see the lights go on in people's eyes, you don't care about the cost. There was a cost to, to, to the Father bringing us all back into the family. But not even Jesus thought about the cost. Because Hebrews 12 says that he rejected the shame, despised the cross because he had his eyes fixed on the joy that was set before him. And you know what that joy is? I think it's a massive collage with a photo of each and every one of our faces. And he had to look at that not in his eyes because I believe his eyes were full of blood from the crown of thorns. But he looked in a spiritual eye. And when Isaiah 61 says that he gives, he gives sight to the blind, I don't, I don't limit it to natural blindness. I include it, but I don't limit it because the day that I walked in Kailicha on a Saturday morning, there was a cost. There was a risk. But when that friend of mine, who's now a brother, jumped up and down after we prayed for him, after he got delivered and saved and healed, the words that he spoke to me and to Kimrod, you can ask him, was I can see you now. We didn't pray for his eyesight. There's a spiritual blindness in this world. And love penetrates behind the veil to where God lives on the inside of us. We get to, like Jesus, open our arms, open our lives, open our hearts. And yes, there is a cost. And you might be offended. And you might be discomforted. And you might not drive the Ferrari that you wanted to drive. But isn't life more than that? I've been on some of the richest wine farms in Stellenbosch. Behind the scenes. Where Ferraris are parked. And I promise you those Ferraris are seldom driven. Because they're uncomfortable. You don't want to have a Ferrari on a wine farm. <laughs> you park it somewhere else. That is not what life is about. That is not what brings joy. That is not what gives happiness. Yes, in this life we have many troubles and we need to deal with finances and we need to deal with SARS and we need to deal with government and we need to deal with many things. And guess what? There's many things currently, which I'm not even going to go there right now, which can cause total division amongst us. Let's not give it 
that opportunity. Let's decide that us, we as a family, our unity is more important than what the government wants to put on our plates. Our unity is more important than what's going on in the world out there. Our unity is found not in this world, nor in its systems, but in the Spirit of Christ. So let me say then, whether you are vaccinated or not, it is not a spiritual matter. There might be a spirit with motivation behind it. It is not a spiritual matter. Let's not make it one. Because we can divide this church right in the middle if we're going to let it. My Bible in Colossians 3 says, do not get distracted by the things of this world, but set your eyes on the spiritual. I've got a teaching, I don't know why, but it is getting hits on SoundCloud about the new world order. I don't know if some algorithm picked up on it or something. You can go look at it. I get 40 hits, maybe 50 if it's a good sermon. That thing's got 150 the last time I checked it, maybe still more. Go and listen to it. It's called the controlling factor. And I preach the message from Psalm 2 that says, He that sits in the heaven laughs at those who want to make plans to get rid of him in this world. Psalm 2. It's nothing new under the sun. So we can either get distracted or we can get unified. And we can be a model. We can be a body of love to a world who doesn't have answers, who has polarizing views and opinions. And guess what? Your social media feed is increasing your polarization. Because your subconscious cannot divide what is other people. You think everyone's reading what you're reading. Even if you know they're not, your subconscious cannot divide that. The power of propaganda, it's not new. It's why they created newspapers. Let's not get distracted by the things of this world. But we have a purpose, we have a focus. We have a God who is inviting family back into His house. And He's asking me and you to take part of that. What did Jesus say? I am about my Father's business. Let that be seen of me. Let that be said of us as a church. We are about our Father's business, which is loving people, which is unity, which is gospel, which is centering around what His plans are, not what the world is trying to deceive us with. He came to save us, verse 5. It's not that we earned it by doing good works or righteous deeds. He came because He is merciful. He brought us out of our old ways of living to a new beginning through the washing of regeneration. And He made us completely new through the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm completely new and I love it. I'm so glad I'm not half new. You know, you have a stain on a shirt that you really like and you do everything to get that stain out and it just doesn't want to get out. And you wash it. And we've got this, it looks like a Pritt stick. And you, you soak it and then you, you do it again. And if it still doesn't get out, you rub it. But you know what? Eventually you see that the material is worn. So what's the best thing you can do? You can hope that there's another shirt still in stock and you can go buy a completely new one. That is what Christ did. He didn't just fix your old self. He created a totally new one. And He sprayed you with Teflon so that nothing, uh, nothing can stick on you. No 
No thing, no, no evidence of what we do wrong or did wrong. He did it because He is merciful. He came because He is merciful. He brought us out of our old ways. Titus 3 verse 6 says, which He shed or poured out on us abundantly. That's the Holy Spirit. Abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The Spirit was poured out in abundance through Son of God, Christ Jesus our Savior. Verse 7 says, all of this happened so that through His grace we would be accepted into God's covenant family. I love the voice translation of this. All of this, everything God did was for one reason, and it is so that we could be accepted into family. Now, I don't know about you, I don't always agree with my family. We don't wear the same stuff. My brother and I have got very different interests. Even lives in another country. But we're family. Family is where you get to celebrate your differences in unity. Because you might be different. You might have a different view than I. You might have a different job than I. You might have a different perspective than I. But we are family. Let's be the family of God. Appointed to be His heirs. Full of the hope that comes from knowing you have eternal life. Verse 7, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What is it that sets us apart? We have a hope that cannot be diminished. We have a hope that cannot be put on lockdown. We have a hope that cannot be contaminated. With a hope that doesn't end. We have eternity. That makes us family. And that we celebrate. But not only celebrate, that we share. That we invite. Because the river of God is full of water. And it's flowing. Revelation 22 speaks about the tree of life. And the beauty is that tree grows on both sides of the river. And the spirit, spirit flows through. It is bringing two worlds together in Christ. No longer Jew nor Gentile. No longer slave nor free. No longer male nor female. But we are all one in Christ Jesus our Lord. Either we accept it and we shine brightly, or we don't accept it and we are still one. We just don't shine. And the world doesn't know what true unity looks like. And they don't have an opportunity to ask for the hope that's in us. And we don't have an opportunity to share that that hope is eternal. We decide. God's already decided. He sent Jesus. That was His move. Now we live in the fullness of that. Let's conclude. We are one family. We have one calling. We have different roles and functions, but one purpose. And that is to see the world come to Christ. We're all in this together, and we need to manifest what is needed in the moment. I'm going to say that again. We are invited to manifest what is needed in the moment. That's why I, as, as a preacher, I need to be sensitive of what is needed in the moment. Sometimes some people say, just use an old sermon. I can't. 
because I don't know what's needed in the moment, or I do, and I don't have an old sermon that speaks to that. What is needed in the moment for me now is unity. It's family. It's oneness. Yes, I love sharing on the unfolding, and you can listen to that if you missed it. And There's many great things. I've looked at what I've shared over this year, over this last two years, and I can see God's direction. I can see the purposefulness of it. I can see the answers in every, every turn where we had to go online, go back, come back, do this. What is our focus? Where do we go? Every time, God is just in season giving us the right words, the right message. But we need to listen to know what to manifest in the moment. You can be the greatest preacher, but maybe your neighbor doesn't need that. Maybe they just need a hug. Maybe they need a meal. Maybe your coworker doesn't need a promotion. Maybe they need Jesus. Are you manifesting what's needed in the moment? Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to good deeds. That takes time. That takes planning, thoughtfully considering how we may encourage one another to love and to good deeds. That's why people love thoughtful gifts. Because it's not about the gift. It's more valuable the time that you've put into thinking about them. To show that you know them, that you care, that you love. Here we are, in Scripture, motivated, encouraged to do so. Verse 25 says, from the Passion, This is not the time to pull away. And neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. Because we need each other. Do you know that? We need each other. This morning, Emily needs someone. She needs the family of God. And I know we all go through life and there's days where we are the someone and sometimes we need the someone. But when we are in that unity, when we are together, we get to partake of family, of oneness, of the true communion. It says some have formed the habit of pulling away, but we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. Oh, Peter, not another church meeting. No, you arrange it. You open your house. Eager to encourage and urge each other onwards as we anticipate the day dawning. I don't know about you, but I see two concepts that verse. The one is the neglecting to meet together. It's a habit forming. It's like you skip one Sunday, you skip one life group. Like now, it's not, not that bad. You get it online anyway. That's the word abandon. The Greek there implies a person who is extremely discouraged. So the neglecting is the the is the price, but the result is the discouragement. It's easy to to neglect, but then you don't know why you're discouraged. That's why. It's habit forming. You're not angry at the church, but it's just easy to not come. The second day is the one who purposefully draws away, which is a rebellious state. Psalm 68.6 6 says, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those who are bound with change, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So that's not just physical family, that's church. God sets the lonely in families, but the rebellious draws away, and then they become destitute in wastelands. It's not God's fault. God's created family. God's created church. God's created us to do life together. The rebellious dwell in a dry land, those who walk away from family. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Continually pursue peace with everyone, 
and the sanctification without which no one will ever see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. This is New Testament scriptures that is clear instruction, clear warning. It's a yearning, I believe, from God for togetherness, for family, for oneness. Because guess what? God doesn't want anyone to be destitute. He doesn't want anyone to, to be out of family. He doesn't want anyone to be lonely and by themselves and depressed and sick and, and any of those things. Therefore, He's created family. He's created church. He's created us to open our lives and to do life together. Yes, there's a cost, and the cost is going to be long-suffering. It's going to be many different things. But you know what the cost is? The cost actually is just love. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, and it's manifested in long-suffering. In faith, yes. And in many other things. But there's, there's something about, listen, I am here to stay. And I love some of the churches have that attitude even overseas, where this is their church. And they will outstay the pastor if they don't like him. But this is their family. I think we are spoiled for choice. No pun intended. Globally, the church is spoiled. Like not as a kid that has too many sweets. No, spoiled like rotten tomatoes. Because there's too much choice. Because ah, I don't like this or I don't like that. Or this is too long or this is too early or this is too loud. Or So you never grow. You never come and be part of. You distract yourself and you, you disjoin yourself from the vine through which the life-giving power of God flows, the river on the inside. It's the first time ever that I've thought like this. And I really believe it's in season. So the first thing you can do is apply what I said and not be offended. Because that will be a condition of your heart, not mine. But I know this family. And I know the people in front of me. And I know you might think this is for those who didn't come. But it isn't. It is so that we keep on giving. Keep on partaking. Keep on loving. Keep on being family. Keep on opening up our houses. Keep on listening. Keep on checking in. Making every effort to keep the unity of the peace. In the bond of the Spirit consider thoughtfully how we can encourage each other. I've done it from time to time when I just pray and I give people words over WhatsApp and it is amazing. And guess what? I'm more blessed than they. The feedback I get was like, wow, God is good. God is real. God is true. Because I could never thought of it. Or I got this word and I, I could never think that this is how it applies. But for them it's amazing. It opens up this whole new area. We get to do life together. We are family. Not just any old family. We are the family of God. And we get to be part of it. You get to be part of it. So let's enjoy it. And let's go out and invite more kids. Let's not be the older brother. But let's go on the dance floor. And let's join in with the world in need. And invite them to be reconciled to the one who loves with true love with agape, our God and Father, through Jesus and His Spirit. Amen.
we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.